0: Seasons of Solidarity, I'm B, and this is another What Are You Reading Wednesdays. This week, I'm talking about All About Love, New Visions by Bell Hooks. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to begin by reading an excerpt from Bell Hook's All About Love, New Visions. Beginning on page four, Hooks writes, Imagine how much easier it would be for us to learn how to love if we began with a shared definition. The word love is most often defined as a noun. Yet all the more astute theorists of love acknowledged that we would love all better if we used it as a verb. I spent years searching for a meaningful definition of the word love and was deeply relieved when I found one in psychiatrist M. Scott Peck's classic self-help book, The Road Less Traveled, first published in 1978. Echoing the work of Eric Fromm, He defines love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Explaining further, he continues, love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will implies choice. We do not have to love. We choose to love. Since the choice must be made to nurture growth, this definition counters the more widely accepted assumption that we love instinctually. Everyone who has witnessed the growth process of a child from the moment of birth on sees clearly that before language is known, before the identity of caretakers is recognized, babies respond to affectionate care. Usually, they respond with sounds or looks of pleasure. As they grow older, they respond to affectionate care by giving affection, cooing at the sight of a welcome caretaker. Affection is only one ingredient of love. To truly love, we must learn to mix various ingredients, care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, and trust, as well as honest and open communication. Learning faulty definitions of love when we are quite young makes it difficult to be loving as we grow older. We start out committed to the right path, but go in the wrong direction. Most of us learn early on to think of love as a feeling. When we feel deeply drawn to someone, we cathart them. That is, we invest feelings or emotions in them. This process of investment becomes important to us. Here, Hooks goes on to talk about the differences between investment in feelings and true love, actually fostering one's spiritual being, right? When Peck uses the word spiritual in this definition, He's talking to the dimension of one's core being, where the mind, body, and spirit are one. Hooks writes that one does not need to be a believer in a religion to embrace the idea that there is an animating principle in the self, a life force, something that some may call a soul, that when nurtured enhances our capacity to be more fully self-actualized and able to engage in communion with the world around us. So here, that's the end of the quote, (laughs) but here Hooks talks about the ways in which some folks, right, are often taught they may not have control over their feelings. And in this, we negate a part of our responsibility for those feelings, for the actions that may ensue from them. And in doing so, we quite often socialize people into understandings of love that are rooted in duty or obligation, as opposed to active choice. In doing so, we often teach people that things like trust and honesty and respect are not parts of love. But instead, providing and caring are enough to define a relationship as loving. And so I really value how Hooks teases apart that definition to show that our understandings of love and attachment can be rooted in these false narratives, but can also be changed. They aren't um, you know, permanent. We aren't wed to those attachment styles that may have been created in our family of origin. So in the next chapter, in chapter three, Hooks goes on to speak about unmasking, to speak about truth, and to really emphasize the way in which men have a tendency, really focusing on like a gender binary here, that men have a tendency to lie for the sake of power and domination, whereas women or folks socialized into femininity are more apt to lie to pretend powerlessness. And in that, right, we create those socialized into femininity, create an under-accountability, right, an ease of manipulation, Whereas those socialized into masculinity create an over-accountability, a tendency to claim what is not theirs via domination, right? To take power and control away from others. And here Hooks really emphasizes that in these types of dynamics where there is neglect or abuse, domination present, there cannot be true love, right? There may be care. You can care for someone, but you cannot truly love someone when behaving in these dominating type of ways. And so in an effort to overcome these issues, Hooks moves on in the next chapters to speak to the need of commitment, commitment to loving both ourselves and commitment to this type of spiritual love which again she really emphasizes that this like idea of spirituality is more so um, the animating life force right so it doesn't have to be um, you know like a monotheistic God it could be nature it could be the soul it can be whatever that looks like for you you know, I think of Eric Fromm's text, *The Art of Loving*, and how in there the God um, Fromm writes about is much more, you know, easily equated to the um, like Spinozian nature, like pantheism God, and how with this type of divine love, we can see the interconnection between all of life, right? and we're no longer kind of meeting these needs for desire through things like consumption, right? Hooks gives quite a few examples in the text of how when there isn't that interconnection, there will be immense greed. Hooks then goes on to write about overcoming these types of greed, right? And to do that, to overcome this culture of domination, she claims the investment should then go into a love ethic. So this is really visible in the earlier piece she wrote called Love as the Practice of Freedom. So this love ethic happens when one gives up power and domination, or rather the pursuit of power and domination, right? Because some positionalities will always hold um, relative power, right? But to claim that power, to acknowledge it, and to not utilize it over others is that rejection of power and domination. But instead, to see love as social, to see love as our nature, is inherently an interconnected piece of life. And some of those components within a love ethic include a prioritization of honesty, of openness, vulnerability, of integrity, of that will to change, to hold discomfort. And a big piece of this, right, that um, I really value Hook's kind of emphasizing here is the fear of change that is so rooted in society, more so in the fact that to have change so often has meant a different type of domination has been ushered in. And so a fear of change has been um, understandable in the past. A fear of change is often rooted in a fear of the unknown. And so to become comfortable with the unknown, to become comfortable with ambiguity, with nuance, complexity, is something that's required for a love ethic. Similarly, Hooks goes on to write about this releasing of greed, right? About not hoarding wealth or resources. Because in doing so, the planet is quite literally being destroyed. And that's a part of the domination. That's a part of the reason that there is a need for a change toward a love ethic. She goes on to write about the connections to community and service, and how one who's embodying a love ethic would seek solidarity with their community, would seek to have connections with the folks around them in authentic relation, right? Skill sharing, resource sharing in that way. And with that, we're able to release shame, right? to hold accountability for ourselves through having shared norms and have mutuality in our pursuit of solidarity, of liberation towards freedom for all folks, right? And to me, I think that's what this text really emphasizes is not just this love ethic and rejection of domination, but also how through that, through that shift in the culture, how we create a healthier way of relating on both the micro and the, you know, macro levels, both the personal and the political. On page 77, Hooks writes, a commitment to a spiritual life requires us to do more than read a good book or go on a restful retreat it requires conscious practice a willingness to unite the way we think with the way we act spiritual life is first and foremost about commitment to a way of thinking and behaving that honors principles of inner being and interconnectedness When I think of spiritual, I refer to that recognition within everyone that there is a place of mystery in our lives where forces that are beyond human desire or will alter circumstances and or guide us and direct us. I call these forces divine spirit. When we choose to lead a spirit-filled life, we recognize and celebrate the presence of transcendent spirits. Some people call this presence soul, God, the beloved, higher consciousness, or higher power. Still others say that this force is what it is because it cannot be named. To them, it is simply the spirit moving in us and through us. A commitment to spiritual life necessarily means we embrace the eternal principle that love is all, everything, our true destiny. Despite overwhelming pressure to conform to the culture of lovelessness, we still seek to know love. Here I think of how Hooks strives to connect humanity with the principles of nature, right? The principles of plants and animals and the interconnectedness of all of life right this idea that love is so innate to who we are and it is something we embody so easily um, even from the time we're young children until something is created to block it and i particularly value this idea of writing It's a willingness to unite the way we think and the way we act. Because I find that so many folks may hold certain values right and may voice that they have certain values, but yet their actions do not align with that. Similarly, on page 88, Hooks writes, commitment to a love ethic transforms our lives by offering us a different set of values to live by. In large and small ways, we make choices based on a belief that honesty, openness, and personal integrity need to be expressed in public and private decisions. So I really find the fact that both the public and private are emphasized here so key, right? It's not just a value that maybe we say when in a um, ceremony or service on whatever your holy day is, right? But rather it's something that's embodied continuously. And that being authentic to the way you relate with all of life, all of the time right this ethical way of living too is something that makes all relations so much more authentic and um believable (laughs) and i think that's something we saw even in the way bell hooks lived her personal life right hooks being someone who labeled herself a buddhist christian a religion of her own making in some ways. Um, Although I'm sure there are many other people out there who have similar blends of religiosity, that's just how she labeled it. And I think too of what it looks like to take spirituality, to take spirit, to take land, to take understanding and mold that in our own ways that is most authentic to our being so i really encourage you to find a bookshop or a library or a community swap shop near you and check out All About Love, New Visions by Bell Hooks. It's a text that I think so many of us have found moving and informative. And it's really contributed so much to the way that I conceptualize relating with others and relating with the world around me. As always, I am B and this is Seasons of Solidarity. I really value your time and I thank you for joining us for another What Are You Reading? Wednesdays. And this was recorded on the lands of the Tuscarora Nation. I mention this to honor the folks who do the caretaking for this land and center the rightful inhabitants.